You are listening to episode 109, Let Go, where we talk about how to let go of an emotional attachment to a specific outcome. Welcome to Becoming, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. We are your hosts, Tawny Beardall and Erica Peterson. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Becoming Today. I'm so happy you're taking your time to be here with me to learn together. So today, we get to talk about letting go. Blah. (laughs) You know, this is a tough one. Can't we just skip it and pretend like we already conquered the step, right? I wish. But when I feel resistance against something, that has always been the best indicator that I just need to stop avoiding what I'm avoiding and dig in deeper. And I know that I've mentioned probably multiple times before that our brains always want the path of least resistance. And my brain does not like letting go. And I really don't think I'm alone in this one either. There are so many famous songs, movies, and books about the process of letting go. Uh, But I'm going to tell you guys, one of the most peaceful feelings that you can have is when you just find the courage to let go of what you cannot change. It feels so good to finally realize that and take that step. And that's going to look very, very different for everyone. We're all just at different stages of our lives. So someone might be letting go of the vision that they had to get into the college that they dreamt of since they were a little kid. Someone else has to learn how to let go of a lost relationship with a loved one. Maybe you're struggling with letting go of the health, the job, the house, or the best friend that you once had. As I thought about it, I realized that there are two main things that we struggle with letting go. And it's either in relationships or circumstances. One does not trump the other. Pain is pain, no matter the origin. We do not need to compare them with each other. There's a book that I have just fallen in love with. It's called Insights from a Prophet's Life. And in it, there's a quote by Russell M. Nelson. And he says, everyone has pain somewhere. And our challenge is to find out where the pain is. Usually it's not physical pain, but it comes in the stress of living. When you meet someone, find out how we can help them. Oh, I really, really love that. Just by simply being immortal, that signs every one of us up for struggle and pain. We all are going to have our own cross to bear, and our experiences will be so unique and individual. We are all going to have moments where we need to learn how to let go, and I really hope this episode's going to help. As you guys know, this series is based on an article that's written by Laura Brotherson, There's these seven steps of surrender, and I'm taking a little paragraph she wrote and trying to expand each one into their own episode. And in this paragraph that she gets into about letting go, she is speaking specifically about letting go in relationships. So I'm going to read you what she wrote, and then I'm going to personally expound on letting go in circumstances. Brotherson says, letting go of emotional attachment is letting go of unhealthy control. When we are emotionally attached to an outcome or need a certain outcome, you actually contribute to keeping it from showing up. You are, in essence, messing with someone else's agency. 
It is human nature to resist pressure and persuasion. So trying to control things or needing a certain outcome generally makes others resistant or defensive. And it invites them to simply put blame on you for something like pressuring them, which keeps them from fully owning and experiencing their own issues. Your attachment to a certain outcome can become a distraction for the other person and their issues. Letting go of an attachment to a certain outcome, letting go of certain expectations, letting go of resistance, or letting go of the need to direct or control things, not only reduces relationship disturbances, but also increases the chances of ultimately bringing about the very outcome you desire. Letting go of your attachment is akin to putting yourself in a state of surrender and unconditional love. If you want another to truly give freely from their heart, you must let go or they cannot give freely. They will only be able to give out of duty or guilt because they can feel you needing it so badly. Okay, this is so interesting to me. I really like when she says, if you want another to truly give freely from their heart, you must let go or they can't give freely. That is a perspective that I've never really thought about before. Because humans are really put off when they're pressured to do something. If we want to go back to the example with my friend and her son that I used in step number one, the more my friend pushes and nags her son to do something, the more he is pulling away. It's simply human nature to want to feel in control of your own life. So when we use coercion or pressure someone, it seriously just ends up creating the opposite result that we were hoping for. I found this really great blog post written by Drana Kress, and it's called Three Steps to Releasing Your Attachment to an Outcome. She explains it really well, and then she shares a great example. So Kress says, what does it mean to get attached to an outcome, and how do we release it and manifest our goals? How do we go from pushing and clinging to the peace of letting go? So here's her quick example. Angela wanted a new job more than anything. She'd been surviving a soul-sucking job ever since graduating. Feeling increasingly joyless and frustrated, she dragged herself to work during the day and searched for new jobs at night. She had been on several job interviews but never made it past the second round. Every time she got an interview, Angela started to believe that this job was the one. She began to fantasize about the job and how it would give her a new life. Although she tried to ignore it, she was soon overcome by a creeping sense of urgency to make this fantasy come true. Before she knew it, Angela was attached to the outcome. She didn't just want it to happen, she felt as though she needed it to happen. I'm probably making too big of a deal out of it, but I can't help it. I just want it so badly. She begged. She just began to wonder if she had lost connection with herself during her job search. Maybe I'm blocking my blessings, she said. Realizing that her neediness was probably turning people off and sabotaging her efforts, Angela knew that she had to change her approach. She wasn't sure, but she was willing to try. Something about the new softness in her eyes suggested that she was finally ready to start releasing her attachment to the outcome. Rather than a specific outcome, she was now making herself emotionally available for the best outcome. As she began taking the idea of letting go more seriously, a small space suddenly opened up for something new. Whether your approach to manifesting goals is strictly practical, completely far-fetched, or somewhere in between, it's fair to say that most people struggle with getting attached to outcomes. It's not that we're masochists, 
opting to set goals and then torture ourselves as we await their hoped for arrival. It's just that we're human and we are emotional beings. We might have an easy time convincing ourselves to detach intellectually from how we want things to go, but letting go emotionally is a different story altogether. So how do we let go emotionally? How do we release our grip and give our goals the freedom that they need to flourish? Cress then gives some advice for releasing our attachment to an outcome. Her first suggestion is to have compassion for the part of you that is attached to the outcome. While it's tempting to imagine that every part of you is attached to an outcome, the truth is that only part of you is actually attached to an outcome. It may seem like a big part, but that's just because you've probably been focusing a lot of your energy on either resisting it or trying to get rid of it. Unfortunately, the more aggressively you approach this part of you, the more entrenched it gets in its position. So rather than trying to get rid of it, just practice giving it the loving care that it really needs. This is when I really like to try to use self-evaluation. I just step back and become an observer of my own thoughts. It's super important that we're honest with ourselves as to why we're holding on so tightly to this thing that we think we have to have. When we step back and just observe ourselves, we have a chance to be open-minded enough to ask ourselves if we trust that God has our back and that he has our best interest in mind. When we do this, we get a chance to exercise faith. Faith is so important. We can live in hope for the future and excitement about the next door that's going to be open to us because it will. Another door will open to you. I absolutely promise you that. And maybe. Actually, most likely it will even be better than the original outcome that you desired because God knows you better than you even know yourself. Well, then Cress's second suggestion is to keep all options on the table. Nothing triggers attachment to an outcome like the feeling of scarcity. Whether you're worried about running out of opportunities or time, scarcity is a fear-based mindset that can wreak havoc on your goals. Fear can be so debilitating. I'm just really beginning to understand how scarcity works. I'm realizing that feelings of scarcity can lead to impulsive actions. And then that can lead us to unhealthy preoccupations with things that we don't have. In order to reduce these feelings of scarcity, we need to keep all options on the table, even the options that aren't exactly your favorite right now. Don't discard possible solutions too soon. And most importantly, don't fall in love with an option prematurely. Don't fantasize about how your life will look once you obtain that one option. Just try to stay as neutral as you can. Stay open to unexpected opportunities and try not to idolize or force any particular solution. When we're attached to an outcome, we tend to fixate on or only accept one solution, excluding any new information, ideas, or opportunities. And like I said before, maybe those new opportunities are better suited for you and will make you happier anyway. Often the real solution to a goal is either something that isn't ready or available yet, and that requires patience, or something that's been right in front of you all along. You just couldn't see it because you decided prematurely to give 100% to a solution that wasn't working. A third step that I would like to add is a really good way to release your attachment to an outcome is to focus on abundance. So we were just talking about scarcity, and the opposite of that 
is abundance. And as a strength coach, I am always trying to coach my clients to live within their gifts, their talents, and their natural abilities. That's where your personal magic resides. When we focus on our weaknesses and where we lack, it just depletes us and it discourages us. No one likes to live in that space. It's really hard to be productive and happy when we're living in that energy. We really need to understand how powerful it can be to focus on the abundance within us rather than the scarcity of what we think we lack. I love the hymn, More Holiness Give Me, and it just keeps coming to my mind as I contemplate this topic. I'm just going to read some of my favorite lines from that song. More holiness give me, more patience and suffering, more faith in my Savior, more sense of his care, more joy in his service, more purpose in prayer, more gratitude give me, more trust in the Lord, more meekness in trial, more praise for relief, more purity give me, more strength to overcome, more blessed and holy, more Savior like thee, more Let's spend our time focusing on abundance and gratitude. When we realize that nothing is lacking, our whole future changes and everything becomes available to us. I love this quote by Oprah Winfrey. Be thankful for what you have. You'll end up having more. If you concentrate on what you don't have, you'll never ever have enough. So we've been able to spend our time together today focusing on coming to terms with letting go But what if we still have some lingering feelings that we just don't know what to do with? I want to now give you some tools to help you cope with these feelings. Have you guys ever heard of dialectical behavioral therapy? So that's DBT for short. It is used to help people deal with difficult emotions during stressful times. There was an article written by Noom and they suggested using the acronym for IMPROVE to utilize this DBT method. So the letters for improve stand for I, imagery, M, meaning, P, practice, R, relaxation, O, one thing in the moment, V, vacation, and E, encouragement. So first is imagery. There really is so much power in visualization. And I know that I've told you guys before, I'm a really visual person. So I use visualization regularly in my meditation practices. When I feel a great heaviness around me and I just realize that I'm trapped in a circumstance that I can't control, I like to picture myself removing those burdens, those feelings, and the pain just from my heart and giving them to my Savior. So it's basically a visual expression of using the atonement. I feel like I could do an entire episode on this one concept. But for now, this article suggests something else useful that that you can do. Okay, the first suggestion is to close your eyes. And then you're going to take a big deep breath and just picture yourself. Picture yourself one day, one week, or one month from now. And then I want you to think, what about your situation is different one day or one week or one month from now? What about your situation is the same? Even if your life circumstances look similar, how will you feel different? I want you to see it. I want you to really see it. Go through and picture yourself interacting with the new world around you. You are not your circumstances. You are you. And because of that, your circumstances can feel different. This isn't just crazy talk, you guys. (laughs) 
<laughs> Studies have shown that this visualization can actually help you increase your self-efficiency, overcome obstacles, and achieve your goals. Okay, so the second is M, which is meaning. This one's pretty self-explanatory, but I love it. The best way to find meaning in a situation is try to answer some of these questions. What am I learning about myself? What lessons can I take away from this? How will things be different in the future? And in the grand scheme of things, how much does this really matter? Oh, I love that. Okay, P for practice or pray. Investing time in prayer, no matter what religion you are or no religion at all, uh, it just simply means connecting with a force or a power that's beyond yourself. Prayer can alter, can absolutely alter your experience. It can lighten your load and just bring you to a different place. I don't know how long you've been here with us, but we did a prayer episode quite a while ago, but I still really love it. I've absolutely changed how I pray over the last few years, and I have felt a dramatic difference in my life. So I highly suggest going back there and listening to that if prayer is something that you just kind of struggle with. But P also meant practice, which simply means doing anything that helps fill you with a sense of purpose, something that brings you joy or something that makes you feel connected to yourself and the world around you. Okay, next is R, which stands for relax. So sometimes what we just need to do is step away and take a big deep breath. I actually have a dedicated place for this in my room. I have this meditation pillow. It, I kind of consider it like my own adult timeout chair. I love my meditation pillow because I know how I feel every time I use it. We all know that quick fixes really don't stick. Lasting change and growth always comes from consistency and effort. I am a busybody, so it actually takes effort for me to force myself to relax. I think many of us are this way, and something that has helped me has been to actually schedule it in my calendar, or whatever speaks to you. It's just important to explore different relaxation techniques and practices. You guys just try a bunch of things and see what really works for you. The best technique to start with is something that you know you already love, something that just makes you feel zen. A lot of people like using reading, and I would probably say some light uplifting reading, not really like stressful news or anything. Or you can take a warm shower or a long walk or try meditation. And we do have an episode about meditation if this seems super foreign to you, so go back and search for that one. Or just snuggle up to someone you love, really anything, but just take time to step away and relax and just breathe. Okay, O stands for one thing in the moment. In times of trouble, our minds just tend to run from the past to the future. It is so important to stop and calm yourself and bring yourself back to the present moment by connecting our senses with something in our environment. I learned this quite a while ago from Natalie Norton. She teaches this simple way to easily become more present. And what it is, is that you just simply narrate what you are doing. I'm taking a big deep breath. I can feel the sunshine on my face. I can feel the grass in my toes. I hear the dog barking and you just kind of narrate exactly what you're doing, what you see, what you smell, what you feel. And just simply by doing that, you're naturally becoming more present and that will 
absolutely help you stay calm, be in the moment and help you see things clearly. Okay, the V is for vacation. So whether or not you're actually able to take a real vacation anytime soon, like, please bless. It's been so long since I've been on a real vacation. But that is a matter because that is what staycations are for. The goal of this vacation or daydream or like I said, staycation or whatever you want to call it is not to run away from your problems or move to some deserted island. Instead, we just want to take a break from the situation that we're struggling with. I wonder if this reminds any of you about the classic movie, What About Bob? Seriously, one of my old favorites. So Bob's doctor literally writes him out a prescription to take a vacation from his problems. And he has to pull that prescription out and read it and remind himself. We can give ourselves that same permission Bob did just to momentarily take a vacation from our problems. That means physically or mentally removing ourselves from a situation is necessary to calm our nervous system. And a calm nervous system is what we need to improve the moment and tackle the situation with our head on straight. That might look like a night out with friends. Erica and I love a good karaoke session. We should have a big old party sometime. Um, It's just uh, taking a mental vacation. Plan an activity. Binge on some Netflix if that makes you happy. This is supposed to be a mental break or release. It gives you that moment to find something else to focus on. I kind of struggle with this one because I'm really big on worrying about numbing. I think it's important to take these breaks, but to also keep in mind that it's not good to numb out too long and make this a habit where we're just not dealing with the problem. So it's still important to face what you're going through, but it's okay to take seldom breaks and give yourself a little vacation from it. Okay, the last one, E, is for encouragement. When you're facing a difficult situation, you need someone on your team. And that's tough right now because people can be hard to come by, especially during a pandemic where people are quarantining. But trust me, there's people that love you, that want to be there for you to encourage you. Let them in. But I'm going to tell you, there's one person that's always there for you, and that is you. If you're struggling to cheer yourself on, pretend you're just talking to your friend and you're giving her advice. So ask yourself, what would you tell a friend in this situation? I really do kind of love this acronym on IMPROVE. It gave us tangible tools and new ideas in coping with letting go. This is a practice, you guys, not a one-time decision. Letting go is all about retraining our brains and every single degree of change is going to bring us to better destinations. Just keep practicing. Just keep trying. Be patient with yourself. Observe your thoughts and understand why you are feeling that way and then deal with it. But don't forget to give yourself some grace along the way. I really hope you guys join me next week as we're going to discuss step number four, which is all about grieving. Have a wonderful week. Hang in there, guys. Promptly Journals has amazing journals for teens and teen parents. One of our favorites is the Loom Parent-Child Connection Journal with simple prompts, 
beautiful illustrations and activities to help children and parents connect and start conversations you would not have been able to verbally. With several other journals directed for teens, you'll find a great fit for your teen. I just bought a few of my own journals and not only are they beautifully made, but I loved the prompts in them so much that I knew we had to share them with you. To view available journal options, click on the link in our bio and use the code BECOMING to get 10% off.